The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. A lot to get into with Coach Frost's sit-down with the uh, World Herald and Journal star. Plenty to sift through on uh, on what Scott Frost had to say, so we'll dive heavy into that. Derek Peterson going to be with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine in about 20 minutes. We'll check in with the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. NBC Sports in one hour, and then an extended sit-down with a guy who did uh, phenomenal work at Nebraska. He's had a lot of different stops during his career, and uh, former linebacker coach and special teams guru Mike Eckler with this next hour. Uh, He is at North Texas right now. Eck is uh, one of the good guys in coaching. Uh, uh, Just uh, He is a talker, man. He is such a good storyteller. And I wanted to get Coach Eckler on specifically to to kind of reminisce and spend some time on on some guys you're going to be watching Sunday, specifically Sue, specifically Levante David, uh, some thoughts on Will Compton and his success on and off the field, and uh, also just really what's going on. I mean, Coach Eckler has been a, uh, a a vital special teams guy, and he kind of found that role and niche when he was at USC. And if you look at the, the stops Eckler had and some of the kids he's recruited and players that he's uh, he's helped coach, I mean, really good years at Nebraska. Of course, uh, was at Georgia for a couple of years, was at USC for a season, uh, also spent time uh, down at Kansas with Les Miles in Indiana for a couple of years, made the jump to the Big Ten. So, a lot of ground covered here in Hour 2 with Mike Eckler. Excited to have that conversation with him. Numbers to get in. You can join us at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We need a wheel of quotes to just spin it because there's so much covered in an hour-long Zoom session with uh, Scott Frost and uh, members of the Journal Star and World Herald. So just to kind of ballpark it here, you've got Bill Moose and Scott Frost on the same page about expectations for 2021, and that's to be competing for the West. Uh, duh, right? As a Nebraska fan, you utter that out loud. Well, yeah, Nebraska should be. Right. They should be. They haven't been. Okay. That's the reality. Athlon picks them for number five in the West. Okay. 
Uh, they were in danger of finishing last last year in the Big Ten. It's it's not been good, right? And and things need to improve. And Coach Frost, paraphrasing, says, "Yeah, it's it's time to start doing that." And he thinks he has the team he can do it. Bill Moose has been pretty straight up with, I think, being uh, right on the money with his crystal ball as far as where the football team's at. It wasn't that long ago where. Uh, the year Nebraska almost uh, finished at 500. Bill Moose says, hey, a bowl game and six wins would be nice. You got to go back to 2019 for that. And that kind of made everyone straighten up a little bit. What, what? Six wins in a bowl game? The year that Nebraska is a preseason top 25 team, right? Well, the Moose has been around a lot of football. Uh, the decision with uh, a, a special teams analyst again versus a full-time special teams coach. There's going to be no changes uh, on the 10-man assistant coaching staff. We've kind of been waiting as to what's going to happen with the staff. Will there, won't there be staff departures? Will there, won't there be staff adjustments or different assignments? Well, uh, no is the answer. You're going to have the same 10 assistants, and uh, you're going to have some adjustments in offense with play calling, and the last four games, you had Coach Frost and Coach Luba kind of split up the play calling, and uh, that's going to be more of the normal route. There's going to be more emphasis and responsibility given to Matt Lubick to be the play caller, while Scott Frost will have veto power and also be able to make some, some late-game play calls if he wants that's important. Some comments on Luke McCaffrey, some comments about Wandale Robinson, uh, special teams and, and, and coach Ron Brown. Uh, we love Ron Brown and uh, coach is uh, going to be kind of reassigned uh, with his role uh, and uh, no longer player personnel director. So where do, where does coach Ron Brown go? Does he fit into the analyst slash coaches uh, meeting room a little bit more versus off the field dealing with players? Elijah jump in And as I spin it, I'm going to first and foremost react here to the decision to to kind of stand pat with the uh, the the coaching roster and the staff changes or lack thereof. You're not going to have staff changes. You're going to go hire an analyst. You're going to go hire a player personnel director that's in good communication and uh, is able to, I guess, relate to today's to today's athlete. That's kind of how I read the, the 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 comments from Coach Frost. Listen, this this to me is Scott Frost doubling down. These are my guys. This is my staff. It will work, and we're going to make it work with what we got because these are the guys I wanted with me. This is who I brought in. It's. It's going to go the direction it goes with this group. It's I'm fine with that. I'm not screaming for a change at running back coach. I'm not changing for an offensive line coach. I'm not change, I'm not screaming for a change at quarterback coach. You need better quarterback play. But above all, what you need from your head coach is the understanding and ability and acceptance that you've, you're responsible for it all as head coach. That, that, that's obvious, but you need more hands-on approach if that's what it entails so you're not committing penalties or so there's not some inconsistency with what you want to be on offense or 
you know, what's happening with your quarterback? Is your quarterback lighting it up on the stat sheet? Yes. Is he turning the football over? Yes. 77 fumbles. 77 since Nebraska's been in the league. All right? That, that's, that's incredible. 77 turnovers, 61 fumbles. So Scott Frost is, is going to delegate, which is what you need to do as, as boss, and guys got to be held accountable accountable at, at, to develop their guys in, in different positions, and it's got to be up to a certain standard. And you've got to pay attention to the whole football team. If you're putting time and effort in on special teams as head coach, that means it's important, right? And you can can go do what you and your analyst that you're going to bring in decide needs to happen with special teams. You can work with your quarterback. Are you going to get better quarterback play now that Scott Frost is going to spend more time with Adrian Martinez? You hope so. But at least him delegating some of the play call opens him up to work with the different areas that need assistance, need help. And as he put it, my head's not buried. My, my head's not buried in a, in a in a in a call sheet. I'm able to get personnel ready to go on the sideline for special teams. This is a step towards accountability. And the reaction from some of the fan base has been, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Banging your head. And expecting a different result, right? With insanity, uh, you're doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Is that what we're going to be walking into in 2021? I don't know. I mean, Scott Frost is a pretty smart guy. He's been around a lot of football. I think when push comes to shove, he can absolutely be part of the reason they're better in 2021 with more of his own attention towards details and certain items with the play calling how long is that going to last i trust him and believe him when he says he's going to you know continue to split it up with lubick that's great but are you going to if something's working are you going to stay hands off and be able to be hands off he loves being the play caller that's what he gets out of coaching man he was great at it at oregon he was great at it at central florida he's had his moments of of really being good as a play caller when the offense is clicked. I'm wondering, you know, who was calling the plays when the offense was going well, <laughs> right? I, when, when the offense had some of their good drives going, run game against Minnesota, run game against uh, Rutgers, run game against Purdue. Matt Lubick seems to me more of a, he's kind of a more of a downhill running guy. At least that's that's what I remember those Washington teams being, right? Mm-hmm. So, this can work out. Is it going to? Is it going to be better and different? I just know that the head coach, based on what I'm reading here, is going to be able to have more time to spend on details with all parts of the football team, and that's what's been lacking from time to time the last three years. And what I'm taking away from this interview today, the the main thing I'm taking away is I don't think Scott is feeling pressure about his job uh, in the next football season because he's not making big wholesale changes. He's not making these big changes to to flip his program. He's making the small tweaks uh, and and the small adjustments that he thinks is going to help the program take that next step. Um, I mean, that's my takeaway whenever I watch the football games is this team is close. They're, 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 not, the they're not that – listen, we sound like we're, we're taking shots of Kool-Aid. That's, that's not it. They're, Elijah, they're not that far away. I mean, mm-hmm. we look at the one-score games. 
if they don't self-destruct, the the record could be flipped to 20 and 12, or at least closer to 500, okay? And I believe this wholeheartedly, and this is not an excuse. This is a guy who's covered football for a few years, and I go back and look at, and listen, they're all your kids, right? They're all your guys, and your job is to coach them up, get them better, and go win football games, But there is a reality with talent level, okay? Some some talent was decent when he walked in the door. Some was not. It's a far cry from from 2008, all right? Just as an example of, of a recent coaching change, or even 2015. Riley had NFL dudes he walked into. Uh, Bo and his crew had NFL dudes they walked into. You don't have a whole lot of NFL guys. Stanley... All right, Luke has made himself a pretty good special teamer yeah, in the NFL, but, but it's it's nothing. That's two. Yeah, no no draft picks. Right, no no draft picks. That's what that's what Scott walked into, and you're trying to build up. That's that's true. When I look at who's playing on Sundays, and who inherited who. Now your job's to work with what you got and and maximize. You've not seen a lot of things maximize. I think you've seen the defense get better, right? Uh, I think offensively, you've had a real problem figuring out what you want to do. And it's your job to to fix that. It's your job to make your quarterback better. He's going to spend more time with Adrian Martinez. I think that's interesting. And he can provide insight and details that your, your quarterback coach can't because he didn't play it. Scott Frost isn't far removed from playing, not that far removed from playing the role of quarterback in major college football. So he'll be able to help Adrian through things to make sure it's not a good Adrian, bad Adrian type deal. Maybe you just narrow it down and get a consistent Adrian that's not detrimental. Uh, also with Wandale Robinson, some of the comments on Wandale, kind of paraphrasing with that. And, you know, he's never going to say anything about, bad about Wandale, loves the kid. You've got a certain climate in college football where kids can transfer. That's part of the deal. But there'll be some blowback and and some national guys may even run with some of the comments uh, about you know Wandale with the type of offense Nebraska can be well they've gone after and gotten bigger wide receivers okay and the the the, the spin on it and you can read into it this way that all right well you know we lost Wandale we lost our best offensive player this is if you're Scott Frost but you know what? The, the bigger body wide receivers, that those those type of guys can help us get open downfield. Uh, and body type wise, that's that's not really what Wandale was. So it's going to sound it's going to sound a little bit like an excuse. And I don't think that's the case. Your re- your hands are really tied uh, if you're Scott Frost. Okay, uh, on on being able to comment on on your wide receiver and your best offensive player that, that departed okay you also have some comments about luke mccaffrey and he's like look i got some advice for luke uh stick and stay you can be the quarterback of the future you can compete for the job and we want you here you're crazy if you don't stay here uh, and, and and work at becoming quarterback you know there's been lots of speculation here with McCaffrey, is he transferring? Is he here? Is he going to opt out? I mean, all of that's still swirling. And you have public comments here about, I believe in Luke McCaffrey. That hasn't changed. I'm excited 
about what he's going to be at Nebraska. So you have, again, a public comment about Luke McCaffrey. We want you to be quarterback. We want you to compete for quarterback. You'd be nuts to go somewhere else. And so that was part of it. Uh, when it comes to, to body size and body type, though, you can't tell me that you lose Wandale and it's going to be okay because you have bigger wide receivers. I, I get that, that you're going to have bigger wideouts to throw to. But you, you can't really put lipstick on losing a guy like Wandale. You just can't. The bottom line is, is needing to find and hone what you want to be on offense. And it's your job as head coach and the play caller to figure that out versus appeasing or sacrificing somebody on your staff and kind of throwing them out and under the bus. Your job as head man with the paycheck is to fix it and be better. Good for Scott Frost looking and finding a way to to delegate and be more hands-on in all areas of football. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts on Scott Frost's comments today. And uh, when I say good on Scott Frost, this is straight up an accountability move as CEO embracing that role and making sure it works for all parts of your football team. Just to, to clarify, I spit out some turnover numbers, 77 total fumbles, 61 turnovers for Nebraska Uh, and a lot of ground to cover here we welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and magazine Derek Peterson at Dr. PDHV on Twitter Varsity Club podcast download that thing with the Heard at Media uh, platform and uh, iTunes uh, Spotify and, and Google Play great volleyball preview and Dr. Petey happy Friday brother how you doing I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. There's a little pause. I mean, uh, on the on the all right. I mean, you got to be geeked up for for a little weekend of football, some NBA, and some volleyball, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, I spent my morning and into my afternoon spackling and watching paint dry, um, whereas other people here got to talk to the head coach. So right, Spack- um, no, I, I I I get you. Spack spackle sucks. <laughs> It, yeah, because it, it's just—it's it it's like 15 seconds of doing what you have to do, and then you just have to sit and let it wait. Mm-hmm. And the, the impatient part of me is like, "All right, let's just get this done." It kind of feels—it kind of feels dry. Let's just do it. But then I'm like, "No, if you're going to do a job, you need to do it 100% right. You need to do it all the way through. Don't screw it up. So you have to come back through and do it again." So there, mm-hmm. there, there are two two parts of my brain constantly at war with each other when I do stuff around the house. <laughs> now I I have zero uh, home improvement capability. Uh, so th- there's that for me. Yay or nay on the long-term workability on split play calling with uh, this dual role here between Frost and Lubick? What's your thoughts? Um, I mean, it should be able to work. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I don't. I don't think it's that's a. Um, unique or groundbreaking situation to have. I mean, wasn't that the point of bringing in Lubick is he was an offensive mind that you trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think I haven't read all the stories 
completely multiple times. I don't have these words um, committed to memory yet, but didn't, didn't he say that he has the ability to veto or he will take over late in games? Mm-hmm. He, um, he did. That's certainly interesting. Um, it, it's interesting for, for him to be able to take over late in games. I mean, you think about the, the last four weeks of the season, um, which, is, which is when he said kind of was, was what they were working with. Um, there were some good, but there was also some bad. Um, so I don't know. If, 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 if that's what Lubick wants, if Lubick wants to have that kind of control of the offense, and, and control maybe has a negative connotation in this instance, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he wants to have that kind of influence on the offense, I should say, um, then good on Frost for um, giving it up and, and letting Lubick have it. But, but, I mean, really, that's, that's the point of bringing him here, right? That was the, the selling point that Frost gave everyone and why Lubick was coming to campus was he was an offensive mind that Frost trusted. He was a guy that could handle things and, and allow Frost to be more of a head coach elsewhere, um, which – Frankly, Nebraska needs. Nebraska needs him to not say, you know, I spend 99% of my time with the offense, so I can't answer questions about the defense, or I can't help with special teams. He needs to be um, more of a head coach. And so I think, you know, from that standpoint, it's probably a good sign that um, that, that he's willing to give up some of that to Lubick and, and go devote his time or his attention elsewhere. There's a couple of comments on, on players, some comments on Luke McCaffrey, some comments on Wandale Robinson, and this is the quote, you know, first and foremost, uh, he adores Robinson, did everything we asked of him. They've got a great relationship. He'll never have anything bad to say about him. Frustrated uh, when you put so much into someone and they decide they're, they're going to do something else, but that's kind of how college football is. So they, they've adjusted and anticipated that. So they've, they've gone and tried to get bigger wideouts. You've got Omar Manning. Uh, you have Toure. And you have Betts that are bigger body wideouts. And they recruited a couple of guys that are 6'2", 6'3". Uh, that said, the quote here is, in some ways it's going to allow us to be closer to what we want to be on offense, it being the departure. And, and that's going to play not so great, depending on how you want to interpret it. But... Ultimately, Derek, when you look and think about this offense here with Lubick, with bigger body wideouts, what can you see the offense kind of morphing towards or, or drilling down on? I mean, what, what do you think you can see offensively in 2021 where they're stable and they're, and they're good at something when it comes to an identity? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, That's fair because like, none of us do. Trust. Frost's comments seem like spin for the purposes of recruiting. Um, immediately upon reading that, my brain thought, oh, hey, my monitor broke this afternoon, but it's okay because it's going to improve my workflow. Sure. Um, I, I mean, look, they've lost their best two, their, their two best wide receivers in the last two offseasons. So no team can do that and be a better offense because of it. Um, they, when they first got here, that first recruiting class they had in 2018, the wide receivers that they brought here were all the exact same receiver that they already had in J.D. Spillman. And Stanley Morgan was here 
So things worked for a year. And then Stanley Morgan left, and they didn't have a guy to replace him. They didn't have a big guy. They didn't have somebody that they could just throw the ball up to, and, and Austin Allen was on campus, but he wasn't what he is now. And I wrote at the time and immediately afterwards that they had positional redundancy in the wide receiver room because they had all of the same player. Um, and the small, shifty guy that worked in the AAC when you could have just an athleticism advantage over other teams, and that was fine, it, it didn't work. Um, and so the adjustment to be made then is to bring in guys like Samori Toure, guys like Omar Manning, um, which they've done. They've, you know, they've, they've made adjustments in terms of their recruiting strategy, which is what you need to see. And, they, and they've, they've been quick to acknowledge areas where they were maybe not expecting things um, that they got, and they've, they've made those adjustments, which is good to see. Um, and from the wide receiver standpoint, you know, yes, they have brought in bigger guys. Um, Xavier Betts stands out as a guy who was a recruiting win for them, a, a, a good identification, and so far, um, you know, they, they used him and, and he rewarded them for that. But, you know, <laughs> ever since they got here, this offense was, was built around having those guys on the outside, but also having Wandale on the inside in the slot. Miles um, Jones was the guy in 2018 that Wandale Robinson was in 2019. Miles Jones was the guy that they wanted to be what Wandale Robinson was in 2019. And, um, you know, you, you need different ways to attack teams. Um, defenses are just too good in the Big Ten. Defensive coordinators are too good in the Big Ten. And you don't want to lose – Wando Robinson, he was the best player on this offense coming back next year. Um, that's, that's undeniable. So it's not a situation where it's best for both parties if a guy moves on. It's just not. Um, I, I think, you know, with the wide receiver talent that they have, they can still be good. But, you know, there are a lot of question marks with the wide receiver talent that they have. Um, what are you going to get from Omar Manning? Will Xavier Betts continue to develop? Who is throwing them the football? Mm-hmm. And will it be – you know, more than five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Adrian Martinez was better as, as the year went on last season, and, and um, he completed a school record 71% of his passes over the course of the year, but Nebraska didn't have a deep threat, and it, it really hurt. So um, I'm curious if the direction that they go is the direction that a lot of people wanted them to go, let's say, in the Minnesota game and the direction that they went in the Rutgers game. I'm curious if maybe what he says, what he means when he says get us to look more like how we want to look or whatever the the actual quote was, if it's more of they are a run-first football team committed to the ground game, committed to establishing the run and running it 40 times a game and, and letting that be the way that their bread is buttered and letting that be the thing that sets up everything else. It's a little bit of, well, you kind of have to do it that way just because of the way things have shaken out. Um, if they get Marquis Step eligible, you know, they, they, they will have that guy that they can lean on to do that. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, as, as it stands right now, I don't know what their offense is going to look like just because the, the known commodities have, have left each of the last two years. About two minutes left here with Derek Peterson. And Derek, one of the, the thoughts from Husker fans in the past couple weeks, and I know Chris and I discussed it on, on the show on Wednesday, was moving McCaffrey to the wide receiver position, let him use his athleticism out there. It just seems to make a lot of sense. But then Scott Frost today kind of doubled down and said, we, we still see uh, Luke as a quarterback here at Nebraska, and he'd be crazy to go try to, 
to go play a quarterback elsewhere. Um, I'm paraphrasing his words, obviously. But what, what do you make of that quote about Luke McCaffrey being a quarterback here at Nebraska? That's so good if you're Luke, uh, for your coach to show that much faith in you. Um, that's kind of where my head goes immediately. I, I, look, we don't see practice, so we don't know. Those guys have practiced well, according to Scott Frost. Um, it, it hasn't translated to the field on Saturdays, not particularly for Luke um, in terms of the passing game. But uh, it's hard because we haven't seen practice, so we don't know. But, you know, I think from Luke's standpoint, um, I, I think it's got to feel maybe reassuring, encouraging um, that your coach is, is such a staunch supporter of you. And Frost hasn't just, you know, kind of tiptoed around Luke like, hey, you know, maybe he'll be this, maybe he'll be that. No, he's been, he, he's, he's been adamant. Um, Luke is a quarterback in the, in the preseason heading into 2020. He said Luke is – the offense moves exceptionally well with Luke at quarterback. During the season, he said, there is no doubt in my mind that Luke McCaffrey is the future at quarterback. And, and now here he is again saying – um, that he doesn't want to move the kid around. So I, I think from Luke's standpoint, you know, that's that's probably got to feel great. Derek, uh, what do you uh, got rocking this weekend? About 20 seconds. What's uh, coming up from you on Hale Varsity, bud? Um, well, I've got my column on Sunday, and, and there's a piece that I'm working on that I was trying to get for this week, but it's not going to go this week. It's going to be something long-range that I'm going to be doing with uh, women's basketball. That'll be That'll be coming, so it'll be a light week for me. Get to watch some NFL football. That'll be good. Well, keep rocking that spackle, dude. <laughs> Cheers. All right. All right, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, HV is where you find him on Twitter. Derek, thanks for the time, man. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, bud. Take care. There he is, Derek Peterson, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, some more thoughts on Husker football. Mike Eckler in an hour. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. All right, uh, numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Plenty of news from the head man, Scott Frost, in his sit-down with the World Herald and, and Journal star. Lots covered with the coaching, with the quarterbacks, with his staff, with Luke McCaffrey, with Wandale Robinson. And when it comes to expectations, you have uh, Bill Moose and Scott Frost in lockstep with uh, competing for a, a Big Ten West uh, championship and and a little bit higher up the food chain. And, and there is some... Cynicism with the the comments or a, another sit down with the fan base where all right let's and we're we're months removed from or I should say months away from from kicking off right so this is the off season I'm interested to see where things go as we now have kind of a timeline for for winter conditioning and then spring practice and then a May spring football game. But there's a part of me, too, that is like, yeah, great. Scott Frost talked to the media. Wonderful. And and here's his plan, and he's and he's sticking with his coaches, and they all have year extensions, and we need to start doing what we're doing for, for 
any talk about raises and yada, yada, yada. And great, but there's a part of me that is just, all right, dude, just go coach better, play better, and, and win some football games, right? There's that element out there where it's show me. Show me improvement. Show me attention to detail. Show me that there's progress made on on all phases of your team. Team progress on defense. What's going on with offense that's supposed to be your specialty? What's happening with special teams? You're going back to the analyst route. You're not hiring a full-time special teams coach. Listen, there's enough people on that staff right now to have a good special teams unit. You just got to give a crap about it and and focus on it and make it important. You have people there that can do it. You absolutely do. And and your attention to it as head coach sends the, the, the appropriate message. And it, you'll need to be more hands-on with it. Make sure it is better. What you want is communicated and executed. And same with your offense. You know, for the sake of of getting in rhythm and winning and, and having a, a good drive put together, don't feel the need to, to insert yourself because I'm Scott Frost, the play caller. You've been really good at it for the majority of your career, but if so, and listen, I think he's smart enough to figure out if Lubick's got it rolling and they're running the football and that's how Nebraska's winning games and it's okay and there's a sigh of relief and people aren't screaming at you on social media or message boards. I, I think that's all right to, to know that, all right, if we got to win this way, we got to win this way. That's fine. You want to win a certain way? You want to be high flying and sexy and ton of points up and it's wide open football like Central Florida, brother. It's not going to happen that way every year or in in any or every game. You just got to adapt and survive in the Big Ten week to week. Doesn't matter how you get it done, just get it done. I mean, the, the W is the most beautiful style point you can present. And back to this Frost and, and Moose common goal of competing in the Big Ten West. Listen, they're not far off from doing it. I've watched the same games you've watched. I've seen the penalties. I've seen the turnovers. I've seen uncomplimentary football. Listen, they're, they're not far if they emphasize some things and drill down on it from, from flipping it around. You can do it in a year. I mean, physically right now, the team looks like they can compete in the Big Ten, and that is a far cry from where they were during the they Mike need to era. Be, they need to be credited for that. It's mm-hmm. their job, but they need to be credited for it. In, in year three, now going into year four, they're, they're, they're not Andy Dufresne and Shawshank anymore on the lines of scrimmage. No, I mean, it's a... I think back to last Mike Riley year where you look at Nebraska football players and I, I don't know who on this team is even worthy of athleticism-wise being a Husker football player uh, of the tradition of what Nebraska is. And now I can see guys and go, okay, that they fit of my mold of what I see in my head as a Nebraska they football player. They look like player. a Big Ten offensive and defensive line. Yes, yes. Now the next step is getting wins with those players. And I think that's where it falls in the coaching staff. Um, how many schools in the country 
have their head coach where it's also their kind of de facto offensive coordinator. When, when, when a, Walters a, was here, a few, a few, but it's it's a small number. And when Walters was here, it, it wasn't Walters' offense. It was Scott Frost's offense, and Walters just happened to be the offensive coordinator. And I remember always thinking to myself, well, what's Walters actually doing? And Lubick comes in, and it's still Scott Frost's offense. Scott Frost, I think if he would be learning as a head coach, uh, it, it makes sense that he's going to be turning over some play-calling duties over to, to, to Lubick uh, just to be able to be a better head coach because this football program isn't in a place right now where he can be the head coach and the de facto offensive coordinator. Some schools you can do that, but this school's Nebraska right now has more building to do uh, than for Scott Frost just to be able to do that. No, and and listen, that's and people talk about you know Frost and his time as head coach, and he's still a air quote relatively young head coach, and it's just a different level of ball here in the Big Ten. And what makes you most happy and what you enjoy most is the offensive side, is the play design, is the the concepts is the scheming is being able to show off your brain and creativity, man. And you've had really good moments in your career as a player and as a coach, but the bigger picture is something that's been lacking with this program, with this head coach. And and I think there's been some, some reflection and for him to delegate and go further down that path with delegating the offense and somebody's going to step up because if you're going with an analyst role, then that means your your full-time assistants that are on the field hands-on have to get it right. And you as head coach have to get it right. You can't spend time bitching and moaning after after ball games about, well, what, what should have happened or what was supposed to happen. It's your job as head coach to make it happen. Enforce that. And if you're freeing yourself up, you have a greater chance of – getting done what you wanted done. It's still out of your hands a little bit, obviously, because there's got to be some execution. But overall, listen, if, if you're working with special teams and you got a guy like Dawson helping with special teams that's got a great track record of it, you two tag team that. I'm just talk, talking hypothetically here because who knows what they'll end up doing based on the analysts they get. But if you two tag team that, if you're – able to figure out you spend a lot of time as a wide receivers coach too right if you can get the wide receivers on the same page with your quarterback as you're going to work more with the quarterbacks that would be huge and then you get something going where there's a commitment to getting downhill your offensive line's really good at playing physical let them run block you've been a run first team but be a power run first team and i think you can expect that identity or at least that lean from Lubick based on his time at Washington based on some time at Oregon with Freeman he likes hammering the football that's how you're going to win in the Big Ten we'll wind down hour one on Hale Varsity and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio Bill Dolman's coming up pride of Fairbury NBC Sports Hale Varsity Radio uh, former Nebraska assistant and uh Special teams uh, guru, coach Mike Eckler with us at 525. So the nation lost a great man, phenomenal baseball player, and uh, straight-up ambassador in Hank Aaron today. And uh, one of my favorite calls ever. And like 20 years ago, my mother purchased this audio. It's this book narrated 
it's a book with pictures and, and words. So Elijah, you lose. It's not just a picture book for me. But it's a, it's it was as and the crowd goes wild or or something along those lines. I still have the the, the book, and it had two CDs with it with some of the greatest sports calls ever. And Bob Costas narrates this on this CD, and and one of them is uh, Hank Aaron's home run to surpass Babe Ruth in 1974. And I remember seeing the footage as I got older and got into sports. And I'm like, man, Hank Aaron was was the best. And for him to go through what he went through and get all sorts of, of brutal racial hate thrown at him was 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 so sad. And the way he handled himself and rose above it was incredible. And the fact that he kept all of his his hate mail was um it spoke volumes of of it, he used him to he used it to fuel himself and also speak out against hate and and racism and we were talking 3000 letters of day when he was chasing Babe Ruth just horrific uh racial hate mail and you know one of the guys I wish I would have I always collected autographs as a kid and I would go back to to ball players in my dad's era when he was growing up, he collected baseball cards, and we still have some of my dad's cards today, assuming my brother didn't sell them. Uh, kidding, Uncle Mark. But Hank Aaron is one of those guys where he was in that group with Mantle, with Mays, with uh, Stan Musial. I mean, just some of the you know the 50s and 60s, the throwback era of great baseball. And Hank's one guy I never got. Got Willie Mays, got King Riffey Jr., got DiMaggio, got Mantle, have, who else? Some some other George Brett, some guys that are, are Hall of Famer, big-time players, but I never pulled the trigger on on a Hank Aaron autographed baseball, and that's like one regret of my, my baseball collection. I can go get one now still, but you're, you know, with him passing away, uh, that, that just is... It's it's a tough day for for the Braves, for baseball fans, and for so many folks who wrote and followed Hank Aaron and what a gentleman to to America he was and what a gentleman to baseball he was. Um, and uh, he'll be sorely missed and a wonderful life lived for for Hank Aaron. And the guy wanted a baseball job so bad, and it was just so short sighted the baseball that that he never got. Uh, as much as a, a sniff with with MLB's front office, he he worked with the Braves. I mean, Ted Turner was smart enough to hire him, and and he was around the the Braves organization in different capacities. But Hank Aaron, a, a true American hero and a standout human, uh, passing away today at the age of eighty six. Bill Dolman's coming up. Uh, we'll talk some Nebraska football. Get his uh, read and take on some of Coach Frost's comments. Mike Eckler. And then uh, we'll have a Friday forecast and a stake in a beer bet. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Buddy, uh, picks with the AFC-NFC championship. This hour, the stake in the beer bed, the infamous stake in a beer bed. I will redeem myself from last weekend. Uh, longtime Nebraska assistant, and uh, he's been around a lot of college football, special teams guru, linebackers coach at North Texas, Mike Eckler in 20 minutes. Get his take on special teams and uh, Levante and Sue on Sunday. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman with us, uh, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. And uh, Billy D's been 39 again for, for about a week or so. Uh, pride of Fairbury, how's your Friday, dude? Well, you know, this is always the highlight of my Friday is getting to spend a few minutes with you guys. So uh, now that we're here, you know, just things could not be better. Well, things these... could not be better. The sarcasm is dripping. I mean, it's an ocean of it. So, you know, it's it's Friday, which means it, it's time to, to have a hour-long discussion with Coach Frost. The Journal Star and World Herald had their Zoom sit-down. Frost was on uh, the, the network earlier this week. The Moose was on last night. And, Bill, I know you you pay attention to Nebraska athletics. What What are your initial thoughts? A lot was covered. We're talking... Uh, uh, about the staff and special teams, they're going to go with the coordinator role. Play calling duties are going to uh, be delegated like they they did the last four games of the season with Lubick. Uh, Wandale Robinson was addressed. Uh, Luke McCaffrey uh, also addressed. There's still not a lot of faith that he sticks around here, but but maybe he does. There's no official word on that. And uh, Ron Brown is is going to find a, a different spot. Uh, with Nebraska football. So we can spin the wheel. What stuck out most to you with some of Coach's comments? Well, I think the key right, word right there was spin. I mean, that was, that was a spinning wheel of spinning. Um, you know, I, I didn't hear it. I, I, I read, it, read pretty much everything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I respect the fact that, the, that they come out and that they, you know, they have their conversations and they're not afraid to, to talk about the – the state of the program and what's going on. And I think that's one thing about, uh, you know, Bill Moose that, that people really appreciate is, you know, he just more and more seems like, a, you know, a, a plain speaking uh, Nebraska kind of guy. So I, I respect that. And, and he, underst- he understands, you know, where this program was, where this program is, and he has a vision for where this program should be. You know, I, I think, you know, I think we are witnessing Scott Frost, learning uh, on the job, but in a very big job. Uh, I, I think he was certainly prepared for the job at Central Florida. And that's not to say that he wasn't prepared in some ways to be the head coach at the University of Nebraska. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, we have seen him you know, have, to, have to grow up into a very unique role at a very unique place. And one that he knows well, but still, you know, until you go through it, um, it's, you know, it's 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 trial by fire, and I think that we're we're seeing that and hearing that. Um, so, I, but I, you know, I think Scott's pretty transparent about all that. So, uh, it's it, you know, it's a strange time. There's no question about that. Where Nebraska football is, and where we thought it was going to be. Bill Dolman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Are you taking uh, Shaggy to the to the mailbox? I got 28 pounds of fury in my truck right now. That's ready to unleash vengeance upon Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Folks can, can folks really take walking, that the wrong way. Those folks who uh, <laughs> those folks who are out walking dogs right now, it's a good thing that he is uh, locked into the truck. 
That's pretty good. Uh, Billy D, a, a, you know, in, in Scott Frost, you're right. I mean, it's not been easy. It's not been smooth. And he touched on a little bit of the fishbowl and all the things that are going on. You know Coach Brown really well. Uh, what's your reaction to, to him being reassigned? And we don't know where that'll be. Maybe it'll be uh, as an analyst or somebody that can help with the offensive side of the football, uh, the player personnel side of things um, is, is something Scott touched on where maybe it's not in, in you know Ron's bag, so to speak, to, to be checking in at the dorms three times a week uh, with, with his age. And, I mean, Ron Brown's, whatever he is, he still looks like 40, you know, and, and could rock all of us on, on a treadmill or a workout program and one of the smartest dudes I know. And I don't know, if, if he can be of, of further help to the football program in a different role, I'm all for it. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that whenever you can have Ron Brown or someone like Ron Brown around your program, your organization, your classroom, you want to make sure that you, that you have that. And I, I was struck by Scott saying he's getting old now. I'm thinking, oh, Ron Brown just never seems to age. I can remember when I was uh, back in the day, back in the sports information office, and there was that job opening on the Nebraska staff, and then there were some rumblings upstairs that the new hire was uh, being made and that uh, I needed to call uh, Brown University and get a bio on this guy who was going to be the new receivers coach at Nebraska, and then the release gets typed up, and then I got to send via telecopier the release that went out to the uh, uh, to the media about this. He was like 29 or 30 at the time. Like, who is this guy? You know, I think he's turned out to be a you know a great Nebraska institution, and I, I think and I think when Scott says he's one of his heroes, I think he genuinely means that, and I think Scott understands that you have to have people like Ron in your program and maybe there you know there's something else for him to do at this stage of life and career but i I think that it's important to have ron in the program um you know it just tells me that my gosh you know college football with these directors of player personnel and all these positions that are being added it's like it's unbelievable how these organizations you know just continue to grow and i'm not necessarily saying that they grow for the better but you know, I think in, in the analyst role. Now we have analysts. We had a special teams analyst, offensive and defensive analysts, as well as coordinators and coaches. And, you know, it's never going to get reined in. I get that. But, you know, I think it's important for somebody like Ron to continue to be around the program as long as he wants to be around the program. And uh, I'm guessing that, you know, I know Scott mentioned who, who's going to be going to the dorms at, uh, you know, starting and keeping up. Sure. The coordinator at LSU who's looking for a job, so it would not be surprised me if the new hall monitor is Bo Pelini. That would uh, be interesting, and and you're gonna you're gonna hit curfew, won't you? <laughs> if, if Bo's if Bo's monitoring the the hallways. Yeah, it, it, I mean, wouldn't he be pretty cheap? I mean, he's he's making a lot of money already, so he could probably come from you know that fifteen dollar minimum wage that we're all going to be getting here pretty soon. So. Uh, <laughs> I've been working towards 15 bucks my whole life. <laughs> well, that'd be classic if Bo Pelini is the new Nebraska football hall monitor. All it takes is one look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, 
Bill, with uh, with Ron Brown looking for a new position, I just want to get your thoughts on the the player development here at Nebraska within the past uh, three years. Um, I mean, we talked first hour, Chris and I did. We said we can see the uh, the athletic development of these guys in their uh, their potential and just what they're doing on the field. But do you think just as a whole, the Nebraska football program has done enough in developing players the past three years? Well, I think that comes down to, you know, Zach Duvall is the strength coach who comes highly regarded. And I've always said, you know, somebody who certainly understands what it means to be a Nebraska football player and, and how important it is uh, to make sure that the, the strength and conditioning program is in line with what it was when, you know, Nebraska established the roots in, in how important that is to, uh, to build football players and athletes uh, of all sports. Um, you're not going to find anybody better in the world than Dave Ellis uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, nutrition and, and diet and, and all of that. Uh, so you have, you know, the premier person who, you know, is kind of a pioneer in that regard as well. Um, so in terms of developing players and, you know, the, the tutors and the life skills program and everything that Dennis LeBlanc and Keith Zimmer and those staffs did, you know, 20 years ago, Nebraska has always been at the forefront of all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I always think that whenever they're looking for the best of the best, you know, they've already, they've already got a pretty good, you know, they've already kind of got that in my, in, in my estimation. Um, are we seeing that necessarily translate in, into wins and losses on the field? Uh, no, I think we're all pretty aware of that. But I still maintain, and maybe this is my big red-colored glasses seeing through it, if you want to, you know, send – your son or daughter to a place where they're going to develop and and grow into being uh, you know good men and good women and uh, good you know stewards of society in a wonderful place, then there is no place like Nebraska, and I, and I mean that you know it's not for everybody, but <laughs> what better place to, to you know to, to grow up for four or five years than to do it at Lincoln and, and do it with uh, the people that are around the, the athletic you know department. You know, Tom used to always say, "I'm not here to do." And this is, and this is kind of a blanket statement that's not necessarily true. I'm not here to develop players for the NFL, although he did. Mm-hmm. And for many years, Nebraska always had, you know, the top four or five numbers of, you know, uh, products in the NFL. But Tom was about developing great college football players and, you know, developing them into becoming, you know, great men and, you know, good workers and good husbands and fathers. And I think that should always be the mission of collegiate athletics. And I think certainly we've lost sight of that, you know, in general as as a society and and the the importance we place on collegiate athletics. But, you know, I think those people who come to Nebraska to play for Scott Frost, they may not see great success on the field, at least right now. But I think for everybody that's in place around them, I think that's, uh, you know, Nebraska is doing them a great service for providing them a good whole-rounded education. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Billy, surprise, Scott sticking with uh, uh, the, the staff, no staff changes, uh, special teams analyst. And what do you make about the comments about Luke McCaffrey saying, look, you'd be crazy to leave? Well, I think he would be uh, crazy to leave, you know. But, you know, his dad's the head football coach in northern Colorado now. You know, maybe it, be, it would be enticing to say, you know what, I'm going to go help my dad. I, I don't know what McCaffrey's going to I don't know the kid, but mm-hmm. – um, you know, I think he's in a great place. I think he's in a great offense. Does he need to be a better passer? Yes. Um, but he's an exciting player. There's no question uh, uh, about that. You know, the whole special teams coordinator role, um, I guess they must have broke the mold when, uh, you know, with Dan Young 
because when Dan had the had the uh, the kickers and just watching, you know, John Croker pump the ball back and forth from one sideline to the other, or Byron Bennett and those guys carry out some practice dummies so they could lay on them. You know, Nebraska did pretty well back in the day with Dan Young in charge, but everything is so specialized these days. It's you know you got to have the right special teams coordinator. Uh, okay. I would think that there's got to be somebody on staff that collectively they can put their heads together and say, we cannot allow some wayward punter from Illinois run rough shot from sideline to sideline for 53 yards. I think we can all agree that there's a way to stop that, yeah. right? Or don't kick the ball out of bounds and don't kick the ball to some guy named Clinkscale. There. What, what, about, what about just not making staff changes? I mean, he's kind of doubling down with these are the guys. They're getting extensions. Uh, away we go, specifically on the offensive side. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, Scott grew up in a program that had loyalty. And, you know, the the attrition on the staff was because if there was any, you know, guys going for, you know, jobs that they always kind of had their eyes on. You know, we go back to Kevin Steele. We talked about Kevin last last week a little bit. You know, Kevin was great at Nebraska, but anybody who knew Kevin back then knew that, you know, he had his sights on something else. And so when the Carolina Panthers job jumps up, you got to go take that because, you know, Kevin was, you know, always about building his career. Some guys came to Nebraska to have a career, and that was the pinnacle of college football. And at this stage, we've seen some guys come and go with Scott's staff, but I think that there has to be something said for, for loyalty and saying, you know what, I'm going to stick with, with you guys and let's see if we can't get this thing turned around. You know, there are some positives, I think, that we saw last year. Uh, and it's not as though, you know, we're playing Ohio State and get blown out every week. The Illinois game was, was awful. That was the absolute worst. But, you know, if, if you stick with it and you really allow guys to put some roots down in the program and they're not worried about their job week after week, then, you know, maybe it's going to pay off in year four and, and in year five. Going back to Ron Brown, I can remember when we were doing, the, you know, going deep many mm-hmm. years ago on – on, uh, on ESPN 1480, and, you know, Ron, I, we would have some side conversation, and you know, I still consider Ron a, a friend and somebody I look up to, but I can remember him talking about coaches would meet him, you know, after games when they're shaking hands or before games, you know, and they're, they're having their side conversations, and guys saying, like, man, i got to get out of here. Do you, are, have you heard of anything? Do you guys going to have any staff openings? Because coaches were just completely burned out on, on how things were going within – their program and they might have even been winning and having mm. success but the you know the loss of a personal life was just burning them out and they're looking for a place where they could go you know what i got a coach who you know believes in his staff and there's some longevity there's some loyalty there's camaraderie and all for the greater good and there was great success and you know and, and tom allowed that and i think maybe scott is is trying to make sure that you know coaches aren't feeling the heat every week you know, that my job's on the line every, every week, every, you know, every Saturday, every season. And I think when you do that and you develop that staff loyalty, it'll also pay off. You know, guys are going to mature in their roles and in their jobs, and they'll get better. And once there's some loyalty and, and, and recruits see that, that there's stability, then they're going to be more attracted to Nebraska. It's not like Alabama where, what, they've lost 11 assistants this year or something because mm-hmm. everybody's going to work as a success but they're not getting whacked, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's important for a head coach to not just always continue to look for scapegoats and, and firing guys just to fire guys. Right. Bill Dolman's with us. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D, have a great weekend. Thanks for jumping on today. We'll check in next week. 
Yeah, sorry about the the, the dog barking here, but he saw the uh, the Illinois punter running around the neighborhood <laughs> still uh, free, so he thought maybe he could tackle him. Well, we needed the tackle. Take care, buddy. All right. Go be great. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Nebraska weekend. A lot of former Huskers uh, getting ready to go in Green Bay with Tampa. Of course, Levante David and Dominican Sue and Khalil Davis, a man that was part of Nebraska football and has done a great job as special teams coordinator with North Texas and different stops around the college football world. Mike Eckler back with us. Coach, it's been a long time. How you doing? Well, I've, I've been touring the country, so I've been doing great. Hey, <laughs> you say a few stops, that's that's pretty generous. Hey, hey, the stops are are impressive, though. I mean, the years in Nebraska were, were big time. Indiana, SC, Georgia, Carolina, down in Lawrence with, uh, with Coach Miles, and now back in North Texas. And, Coach, I want to start off with, with the topic of special teams. It's, it's been a discussion point for, for Nebraska as they're looking uh, for, for help in special teams. And I'm interested in your thoughts with when you kind of uh, got bit by that special teams bug, so to speak, because it, it's something that's been a focus with all of your, your stops and, and your units have been so, so good. When did that kind of get, in, get ingrained to you, just your love for special teams? Well, I've always loved it. I mean, it started when I played at Kansas State. I mean, that was my role, special, special teams captain with Coach Snyder. Um, but, you know, um, it really it really started um, in, as, as a coach when I was out at Southern Cal. John Baxter, I think, is one of the best to ever coach special teams, was our special teams coordinator. And, shoot, we won 10 games. We were 10 and 3, and, um, and our coaching staff got fired. Mm-hmm. And Bax could not find a job. And I'm sitting there going, this is the best special teams coordinator in ball. Guy can't find a damn job. And so then I went to Georgia as linebackers coach and, and defensive special teams coordinator and took all the things that I've learned, you know, from different coaches over the years. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I stood in a meeting, first team meeting at Georgia, and stood up, and, and they had, had the worst punt return uh, in the country the year before. And I said, hey, guys, I said, here's the deal. I said, we're going to lead the country in punt returns. And I said, if you want to be an All-American punt returner, stand up. Two guys stood up, a guy by the name of Todd Gurley and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie was a, you know, some five foot seven, hundred and fifty five pound true freshman. Well, he, he led the country and had five returns for touchdowns in two years, and and just did a, did an awesome job. And we kind of we flipped flipped that around. And um, so anyway, I think it's a lot of it is just just when I went there just really got really got heavily involved in in running the units and then after that first year went 10 and 3 second year went 10 and 3 and coach rick gets fired Mm. and so we're all looking for a job again had a chance to stay in the sec as a special teams coordinator or and and linebackers and i'm sitting there the reason i didn't do it because of of, of john baxter Mm -hmm. wait a minute this guy, the best in the business out there, he couldn't find a job. You know, why would I want to 
go down that road. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a defensive coordinator job at North Texas, which which is a great a great situation. Well, fast forward, they added the tenth coach a, few, a couple years later, and that's when I thought, all right, now people are focusing and, and hiring special teams coordinators, and that's when I made the move. Mike Eckler's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, special teams coordinator, linebacker coach, North Texas, and uh, former assistant at Nebraska. I'll, I'll get into your thoughts here on, on some of the Huskers playing Sunday in a moment. Is it hard, as you've been coaching now for, at the, the D1 level and Power 5 and, and G5 level for, for 13, 14 years, and, and your, your history speaks for itself with some really awesome Kansas State teams, is it harder to get buy-in from kids now to want to be great on special teams? What's your what's your selling point? I know you just talked about that that meeting room with Todd Gurley, all right? But when it comes to, to getting buy-in from special teams, is it difficult? No, shoot, that's it, it's it. Kids have not changed. Everybody wants to say, "Oh man, kids have changed." No, they haven't. Their influences have changed in mm-hmm. social media and things like that. But kids are kids. They want to be taught. They want to be developed and they want to be challenged and once you once you get kids they have about zero percent chance of going to the next level if they're not great special teams players if they have when a scout looks at them they're looking at a receiver and saying all right what is his special teams value Mm. is he a returner is he a gunner is he you know that's one of the first questions scouts ask what special teams has this guy played on his freshman year sophomore year junior year and so forth and so it's easy i mean that part that part's easy Coach, uh, some uh, linebackers that have done really well at the next level that you uh, brought to Lincoln, Levante David and Dominican Sue. Of course, uh, Sue uh, down at the defensive line, Will Compton, uh, really good career in the NFL. Take me through uh, your, your time with Levante, and he's already in his ninth year at Tampa, and I've had a, enough times that, that I've had a chance to speak with Levante in college and, and in the pros that just a good dude, super humble, amazing ball player, but Tell me his story about how, how you guys got him to Lincoln and just what you've been able to, to smile about after Nebraska, his, his job and the work he does in the NFL. Well, he obviously came out of Fort Scott Junior College. Yeah. Went down there, um, watched him play in the Junior College National Championship game against Cam Newton in Bullen College. Um, I think he had about 18 tackles in that game. And you obviously love what you see there. But I wasn't sure, totally sure, until he came on his official visit. And when he came on his official visit, we sat in my office and went through different coverage concepts and and different schemes, and the guy was so sharp. I mean, he knew everything. And I just remember walking, meeting with him for about an hour, and I took him, walked right into Bo's office and said, hey, Bo, watch this and I quizzed him right in front of in, in front of Bo and Bo's like yeah that's our guy that's impressive with, with with Levante how were you able to connect with him you connected with football obviously but uh, Levante is a guy that, that came from a, an amazing high school in, in Miami ended up at Fort Scott and then you know uh, when it comes to, to Nebraska how much competition was there for him 
there was he had two offers. He had Nebraska and he had South Florida. Okay. So so two, so two offers and, and obviously Nebraska's name and he connected he connected with you guys too obviously. Yeah, and, and you know his at the time his girlfriend was going to South Florida. I mean they were working it pretty hard and Jim mm. Levitt was the head coach and and he had gotten Jason Pierre-Paul and some other great ones and uh, you know so I mean it was it was the whether or not he wanted to go home, go back to Florida, or he wanted to play in the Big 12. And ultimately, he chose on chose to play in the Big 12, which we're very thankful for. And Mike Eckler's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, with Levante, um, your ability to, to, to work with him, what, uh, with Levante, what, what stands out as you think about his time in Nebraska? Obviously, the, the stats are there, but just his from a personality, from an impact, what, what what did he leave at Nebraska, in your opinion? I've never seen a guy more focused than Levante David, ever. And when he was at practice, he used to stand. I used to try turn around, and, and I'd always bump into him if he wasn't in because he's, like, legitimately standing on my doggone heels. <laughs> and, and he was so focused, so into it, wanted to know everything inside out, front and back. And just, I mean, I, that's the thing that to this day that I'll always appreciate about Levante is his attitude, his competitiveness, and his focus. What's your takeaway with with his NFL career? I mean, we were talking yesterday with with uh, you know the Hall of Fame uh, and Levante and, and Dominican Sue. Uh, I know you're close with both. That said, I think their numbers speak for themselves. I mean, Sue's gotten enough Pro Bowls and, and accolades. Levante is is arguably the best linebacker in the NFL, in my humble opinion, but gets overshadowed so many times when it comes to, to the accolades and the Pro Bowls and the All-Pros. It's not that he doesn't have those, but he doesn't have as many as he should, in my opinion. No, you're, you're exactly right. But the thing about Levante is, he is not a self-promoter. You're right. He's not a flamboyant guy. The guy just goes out about his business and makes 12, 14 tackles and two sacks a game. And, you know, he's, he, that's, that's probably what's hurt him more than anything. It's just he's so humble. Mike Eckler joined us on Hale Varsity Radio. More from Mr. Energizer, uh, Mike Eckler, North Texas special teams and linebacker coach uh really fun to chat with him again as he's been to a lot of spots man he was talking about his time at usc and that's where he really honed in on special teams was at indiana uh as as uh, part of the defense there a second stint at north texas uh, georgia for a couple of years so he's been at some some pretty big time programs at, at kansas with less miles and spent time with less miles and uh, Bo and company down at LSU, and then was at North Carolina for a couple of seasons. So he's he's been there as a linebacker and a special teams guy, and uh, good to hear from him. And uh, we'll spend a few more minutes uh, in the next segment with Mike Eckler, hear a little uh, story about Will Compton, how Will Compton got to Nebraska, Mr. Bussin with the boys, and um, some Sioux insight. But really fun to, to chat with uh, with. Mike Eckler today. Yeah, and it's cool to hear that story uh, from his perspective of going down recruiting Levante David, going down there with Bo and diagramming up a defense and having Levante go break it down because Levante's told that same story himself. And it's kind of, it's fun to hear both sides of that, of just how Levante got to Nebraska. And he, he also has talked about 
why he ended up staying away from South Florida and going to, to Nebraska because he had people down in South Florida he was friends with in high school. And he's like, I was hanging with the wrong crowd. He, he'll admit it now, and mm-hmm. he, he wanted to get away from that. So it's, it's cool to hear it from, uh, from Mike Eckler's side as well. You know, you ask yourself from a recruiting standpoint, how how's Nebraska done so well in California or Los Angeles? Or how's, how's Nebraska done so well uh, in, in Florida from time to time? Or how do they do well in Jersey, right? I mean, a lot of kids are in such tough situations where they grow up and it's home life, mom and dad, or maybe just mom or whatever the situation is just difficult. They want a way out. They want to be able to take care of their loved ones. They want to be able to go to college. And you got a guy like Levante who took care of his family but needed to get away from Florida. And, man, is he made everybody in that state proud with his play in Tampa. More from Mike Eckler next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes here, Hale Varsity Radio. Mike Eckler with us, former Nebraska assistant, helped to get uh, Levante David Will Compton to uh, Nebraska. We're talking some Huskers in the NFL with Coach Eckler. And uh, we'll turn our attention here to Will Compton and Bussin with the boys. Guy that is pretty good about promotion, crazy personality in a good way. Will Compton podcast and his videos. Yeah, busting with the boys. Busting with the boys. Yeah, I mean, Will's Will's got it going off the field, and he's doing a great job on the field. Tell me the story of of getting Will to Lincoln. Oh gosh, that's too long. <laughs> You're busy. You're thing. busy. <laughs> when we first when we first when we first came in, uh, the first person that Bo went to see was Will Compton. Okay, and he was committed to Coach Callahan. So, Bo goes to Bonterre, Missouri with Coach Osborne. And they go see Coach Osborne first day. And Bo calls me up and he goes, hey, Eck. He goes, I don't care if we sign one guy in this class. He goes, we're building our defense around Will Compton. I love that dude. And I'm like, yeah, that's easy. You know, I mean, the guy's already been committed. So, the next week I go see him. And I go there and have a great time, great visit with him in in the school. And we're walking out of school, and Will goes, "Hey, uh, Coach Eck, man, I really appreciate you coming." He goes, "I just got to, I got to be honest with you. I'm not coming to Nebraska. I just haven't decommitted yet. That mm. I went to the um, Southern Cal game, and and it is, that was ridiculous, man. He goes, I, I'm not coming. I'm not playing there. So I'm either going to Missouri or or going with Coach Zook over at Illinois. And and I get in my car." <laughs> and my phone rings, and it was Bo. And he goes, hey, Eck, how'd it go? And I, I thought to myself, hmm, you know, we all know Bo. He's kind of reserved, you know. So uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get angry very easily. No, not at all. I said, no, I said, hey, Bo, it went great. <laughs> <laughs> so you had, to, you, had to re, you had to re-recruit him all over again. How'd, how'd you get Will oh, back? Yeah. How'd you get Will back? Oh, yeah. I think it was a tattoo. I think that pushed him over the edge. Well, <laughs> folks folks may have heard of it. So did you fake that? I, I know the story, but my audience may or may not remember. What did you do? Is yeah. it your right or left bicep? Uh, it was our, my right bicep. Before we got um, – we, we had one last chance on a Sunday. We went and flew the entire defensive staff over to Bonterre, Missouri. And before we left Lincoln, I went to a tattoo parlor and got a um, two-week temporary tattoo with – Skull and crossbones on it, and Compton in Old English below it. 
and we're going. We were there for probably four hours at the house, and I invited his best friend over and his girlfriend. I mean, we had a we had a blast. Mm. And before we're leaving, I said, "Hey, Will, I, said, I got a little something here to remind me for the rest of my life. Every time I look in the mirror, if you don't come to the University of Nebraska, you're making the biggest mistake of your life." And I pulled I pulled up my shirt, and his dad is just a classic. His dad gets out of his lazy. He goes, "Boy, that's a tattoo. I'm getting right there." <laughs> And the rest, as they say, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, so two days later, I'm walking through the airport in Omaha, and my phone rings, and it's Will. And it was the day he was going to make his decision. Mm. And he goes, man, he goes, Coach Jack, man, I freaking, you know, I love you, man. And um, you, I appreciate you recruiting me. And, you know, you guys just getting here and, and busting it hard. And he goes, but, you know, I just I want to let you know I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Illinois. And and I'm standing there, and I said, I said, well, um, man, well, that, that just that kills me, man. He goes, hey, he goes, I'm messing with you. I'm coming to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's it. So, yeah. what was what was his reaction? I just got the phone with Bo. Bo told me to mess with you. <laughs> what well, that that that's shocking, right? What was what was the re- so did he? How did he take the the tattoo? Did he know it was temporary at the time or no? No, I didn't tell him that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike uh, Eckler. I mean, I, I mean, that guy, he is a classic. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. I love that guy. And Coach Eckler's with us. Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll, we'll let you get out. But I, uh, a thought about Sue. Uh, do you have a Sue recollection uh, other than? Yeah. Um, Sue uh, has, like, freakish superhuman strength. And one of one of the funniest things, you know, and people remember that Texas game, yeah. Big Twelve Championship game, where he like you tell a defensive lineman you can't serve two guys, just put your hands on one guy, right? So because some guys will try and put their hands on two guys, and Sue Sue can serve two guys. He legitimately picked up their left guard and their left tackle. One in each hand, and had him off the ground. So that Sue um, defies that that one rule. He is just—he's got superhuman strength. And I remember we were, he was coming off. He sacked somebody one time, and comes off the um, comes off the field. And I had a tendency—I have a tendency to get a little excited. So I hit him really hard right in the chest, and he stopped. And he goes—he goes, "Eck." Don't ever do that again. I said, Got you, Sue. <laughs> That's funny. He he gets he goes to like a dark place though, man. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that can flip the anger switch on? I mean, when he when he when he wants to, he and even at his age now, and I'm not calling him old, so I don't want him to throw me across the room if I ever bump into him. But he can still ball, and he can still just get that stare right i mean the the look you yeah. see i mean he can he can really channel that well but the thing about sue is he's a pro yeah and and the reason he can still do this 10 years later is because he is a dog on pro he works out so hard he trains so hard he doesn't uh, he and he just has he's always just wanted to be the best and when you when you have super talent like he does and then you have that desire and that drive and that work ethic that's why you're a hall of famer 
Mike Eckler's with us, uh, former assistant in Nebraska, special teams coordinator at uh, North Texas. Coach, it's been too long to talk. We'll have to do this again. Thanks for a few minutes talking about uh, some Nebraskans in the NFL. Appreciate your time, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me, and have a great day. Mike Eckler, that was just uh, pure Eck right there with some of his stories uh, on the recruiting trail and uh, some connection with guys that you'll see on Sunday with Sue and Levante David and, of course, uh, the story of Will Compton and the temporary tattoo. So we'll get that up on the On Demand ESPN Lincoln podcast. Good stuff today with Bill Dolman, Derek Peterson, and, of course, uh, Mike Eckler, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the Herd Ad Media Platform, ESPN Lincoln, and Hale Varsity. Let's uh, get the scene set for an incredible NFC championship. Uh, first and foremost, Antonio Brown not playing with knee issues. Most of uh, the the brass and the NFL insiders are saying it's Green Bay, it's Green Bay. We will have our stake in a beer bet and a quick forecast here in about a minute or so. And then the other side of things, you have uh, Blair Kirkhoff tweeting out earlier today, you have Patrick Mahomes cleared by an independent member of the uh, concussion protocol group with the NFL. So you are good to go, Chiefs fans, with Patrick Mahomes on Sunday against the Bills. Bills have been playing great football. The Chiefs have played winning football. They have not lost for quite a while. I mean, it was that shocker where they kind of got dismantled by Chucky and Vegas only to pay him back with about a minute left in the fourth quarter. So pretty good. And uh, we will have our picks next. Where are we going? Are we going Kansas City or are we going uh, Tampa for the stake in the beer bet? We should probably go Kansas City. It's a local flair. All right. We will do it. Forecast is next to Tale of Our City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, you got an early birthday wish tomorrow, for tomorrow, for Levante David. Levante's uh, turning 31 years old, his five-year deal is up with Tampa. Does he get an extension? You hope he does. Sue is uh, also going to patrol, and Khalil Davis is seen time. Let us start here and kick off the forecast, an abbreviated uh, edition of it. And uh, let's go Green Bay and, and Tampa Bay here real quick. Well, the number is the number with Tampa and Green Bay. Three and a half Packer favor. Snow. I don't know how much, though, in the forecast. Tampa's committed to a run game. Tampa's defense has played at a high level. Green Bay dismantled the Rams in that number one ranked defense. Everyone's going Green Bay, going Green Bay. I'm going to go with Tampa. Tampa gets the win, and I think they do just enough. It's got to be lower scoring for Tampa to win this thing. But I think uh, they get it done. Uh, 27-21, the win, the outright win for the Bucks. Probably wrong, but I think uh, Sue and company, and Brady and company, and old Ba, they get to the Super Bowl. 
Uh, for me here, it just seems like disagree or agree. I mean, I, just, I got the Packers to win this one. Um, I'm not sure about the, the the Packers covering three and a half. Three sounds about right to me. Um, I don't think it's a game winning field goal thing like that. I think Tom Brady's tough to beat, and I think he's going to hang around the Packers all game. But the Packers, I mean, in the Aaron Rodgers era, have never had a conference championship game at home. They've played in conference championship games away from home, but this is Aaron Rodgers' first chance to get that conference championship win at home. Uh, so I got the Packers to win. Give me Packers 34 uh, and Buccaneers 31. And, you know, game, game one, it was all about turnovers. Tampa didn't have any. Aaron Rodgers jumped out to a 10 nothing lead, 38 straight points later by the Bucs. Turnovers, defense. I think Tampa can do it again. I think... They'll get after Rodgers again. They really uh, put heat on him. Uh, We're talking about 60% of the third downs. They got after him, got him off his spot. And I think it's going to be up to to both the linebackers, specifically Levante, to get after Rodgers. All right, steak and a beer time. Bills, Chiefs, Kansas City favored by three. Buffalo's been scoring a ton of points. The last game they lost, that Hail Mary at Arizona. Think about how long ago that was. They've been putting up upper upper 20s and 30s and 40s. Don't like doing this, but I'm going to. Going to lay the three and go with Kansas City, even though both teams are trending the different directions. Yes, they're winning, but someone's looking a lot more impressive than someone else. And Kansas City's been skating by, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to disagree. This is good. It's taking a beer bet. I got the Bills to cover, not win. Um, but it's been something like seven, eight games since last time the Chiefs covered. It's been, yeah, it's, it's, been, a it's, been, it's been a while. They've been winning a lot of close games recently. Uh, and I have that trend continuing. Not sure how healthy Patrick Mahomes is going to be. He's uh, cleared from concussion protocol. You don't know if Andy Reid's, though, going to uh, try to protect him. So I got, uh, let's go Packers. I don't have a score off the top of my head. It's going to be close, Bills, though. Bills, Bills, 28-24. So yeah, Chiefs win 28-27. Very close. Okay, so you're saying one point. One so point. Okay. Very close. All right. Could be. Could be Harrison Butker at the buzzer. 26-17 was the score last time Kansas City won. Good luck to you. Are you in the morning? Uh, I'm not. Damon's in. You're like, no, I'm sleeping in. Talk <laughs> to you tomorrow morning, weekend edition at 7 a.m. See you.